1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Do everything in love. Calvary this morning as the youth highlight our service. And uh, with the candle of love, and we're grateful for the Christmas season that we're in. Thank you for being very responsive today in the altar service. Most everyone came forward and was anointed uh, with oil and prayed for. Just a great change of how we have. Uh, Done service in the past, but it's God is an awesome God, and uh, we have a lot of things that's going on, and uh, encourage you all to be a part of those. Um, today's message is all about the Old Testament and how that the birth of Christ is such a vital thing, and how it comes out of the Old Testament and then fulfilled in the New. Mom was. Uh, talking with her son about the Christmas productions they were doing and they were talking about the three kings bringing their gifts and and the mother said, help me remember son, what six-year-old boy, what, what are the three gifts? And he said, well, it's gold, frankincense, and humor. <laughs> and so he, uh, he kind of got a little bit of H on that myrrh in front of that myrrh, but uh, uh, it is it is fun to to uh, enjoy the Christmas season and and uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, it's Christ's birth, Christ's birth prophesied, and we're going to jump into the life of Jesus uh, as a little boy this morning's message, and uh, we're going to just allow the presence of God to to uh, pour out His Spirit upon us. And know that God cares and loves us in a great way. Next slide. Is uh, out of Hosea, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Hosea was a, a unique individual. Uh, he was called to be a prophet. And uh, it was important what, what Jonathan said earlier as he was doing announcements about the return of Christ and how that there will be antichrist and people with antichrist spirits and people that will be doing uh, false prophecies and it's important for us as the body of Christ to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to be in tune with the word of God and the concept of what it is uh, in knowing that God's Holy Spirit is guiding someone to speak what they say and sometimes the flesh gets in the way and sometimes people say things that they don't fully mean and it's taken as in a spiritual sense that is uh, inappropriate. But Hosea, uh, it could have been a question about being a prophet of God when God told him to marry a prostitute. And it was to be a sermon illustration to Israel because Israel had turned their backs on God. They was in idol worship, worshiping other gods, and God hates that. And so God took his prophet, Hosea, and said, Mary Gomer. 
Now, I don't know about you, but to walk with God and then be told to do something that in the world's eyes is sinful is beyond comprehension. But that's where he was at. And God used him to speak to and to preach to Israel that was backslidden for them to come back to God and how that he talks about the grace of God throughout the book of Hosea. And it's, it's interesting to see how that God would do that. Uh, and it's just one phrase that, that speaks about Jesus. I called my son. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And that's, that's an amazing portion of Scripture because we look in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. What a unbelievable statement that's going on here. How many of you had to get up in the middle of the night, jump in the car, go to a motel because something's going on? You didn't think of that, did you? That's what's going on here. I mean, in a dream, he wakes up and says, Son, we got to get out of here. And she says, that's the last time you're eating pizza at 11 o'clock. <laughs> she says, the baby, you know, I don't want to pick up the baby. The baby's going to wake up, but we're going to have a mess in our hands. We, we just need to stay tonight. We'll leave in the morning. No. God said we're leaving now. So you can imagine the being awoke, awakened out of a deep sleep, and here we go. We're, we're marching off to, to Egypt in the dark and stumbling around, getting on the dock, getting everything together, and, and out the door uh, to go to Egypt. And, but the prophetic word, God's word is so powerful. A lot of people want to separate the old from the new, and they are a combined unit. You cannot separate them. And as, as you look at the stories, you begin to realize just how important it is in the fulfillment. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. You see, they was under uh, horrible control, horrible situation going on with the government and all of that. And so we recognize the, the uh, disdain that uh, Herod had for this baby called Jesus. And Herod was really willingly and ready to kill the baby. And so the Magi, they did not return to Herod and tell him where. And in verse 16 of that same chapter, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years of old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 15 is the next portion of scripture. Do you see how interwoven the Old Testament is to the New? 700 years before it happens, prophetic words come about this Jesus. And it's sprinkled throughout the Old Testament to where you have to have the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. You have to have Bible knowledge and Bible scholars to, to look it all up and to begin to understand it. In verse 18, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be 
confronted because they are no more. Refusing to be comforted because there are no more. The children are gone. There's weeping and there's no place of bringing comfort and peace when your child has been murdered. Small population of two to 3,000 people, possibly as many as 15 to 20 children were murdered that night by Herod. And so uh, you, you see the Christmas story is, is lots of, lots of uh, bows and packages and lots of joy and peace, and, but there's also the difficulty of Christmas that took place at the birth of Christ. And, and you know, this is a, a period of time after the birth of Christ. The great magi, who, who were they? They were, they were, they were uh, people of, of great grandeur, people of great education. The next slide goes on. Uh, the, the gifts of the magi, and who are they? They are people who have an education. Some of them, some people have said one of them may have been a medical doctor. One may have been a, a natural scientist. Another one was a study of the stars. And so they were educated men and they were Gentiles. And it's just interesting how it all comes together. In Psalm 72, which is one of the Psalms that Solomon wrote, and, uh, and he speaks about uh, Israel as a king that, that reigns. Uh, may the, the kings of Tarshish the gift of the Magi. May the kings of Tarshish and of the distant shores bring tribute to him. Bring tribute to him. May the king of Sheba and Sheba and Seba present their gifts. May these kings come. May the kings of Tarshish and of the distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring him gifts. Psalm 72, verse 10. Again, a prophetic message coming to us. Solomon's prayer in this prayer of Solomon is for Israel's kings that they would reign with great character and with justice and righteousness and peace. The destruction of evil, that, that these kings would be able to destroy evil and bring deliverance for the oppressed and the need. It's exciting to see that God's plan of delivering people from injustice, delivering people from oppression, delivering people from uh, difficult things in life, all comes through Jesus. And the prayer for these kings was that they would be able to rule and reign and bring righteousness and justice to the area they were ruling and reigning in. And that's what Jesus is doing in our lives even this very day. It's so important that we recognize this ties into the fact of a New Testament prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, God, your kingdom come right now on this earth as it is in heaven. And it's that concept of our heart, our heart prayer as Jesus reigns as king of our lives, that his righteousness would be established in the earth, that his righteousness would be, first of all, established in my heart, in my life, and then those people around me and the rest of the earth. And it all started back in Solomon's day of praying for kings. And Jesus is the king of kings. The fulfillment happens in, in Matthew 2.11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. 
coming to a house, okay? The Magi is coming to a house. The kings are coming to a house, not a manger, not a manger, as we have them uh, a lot of times in our nativity sets. We'll put everybody in the nativity, but at the birth of Jesus, the Magi weren't there. They were showing up later, somewhere between 40 days and two years. So that gives you a wide span of time. They come to a house, not a manger. Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him, worshiped him, worshiped him, worshiped him. Will you say that word, worship with me? Worship. Say it again. Worship. What's it mean to worship? They bowed down. Why did they bow down? Because they were not giving themselves any credit for who they were. They were giving all the credit to the child. They bowed down to worship Jesus. And it's, we opened the message, the service this morning with that scripture about worshiping Jesus. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and humor. No, myrrh. In the, in the Christmas story of a six-year-old, it's humor. And, but that truly is a great gift. And uh, some of us are still striving to try to present humor and uh, realize it is a gift from God to be able to laugh in the midst of hardship. Amen? Only God can give you the ability to laugh in the midst of hardship. So here they are, this, this worship service going on. They bowed down and they worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus received it as a child. And Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, and he's still waiting for you and I to worship him. It's not just a matter of coming to church, but it's worshiping him. It's worshiping him. It's giving him praise. All the time. Scripture says that we're to have a continual praise and prayer upon our lips. Continual prayer and praise upon our lips. Continual prayer and praise. I mean, when you're driving down the road and you're listening to gospel music, give God praise. When that person cuts you off, give God praise that you didn't hit him. And if you do hit him, give God praise that you're gonna, he's going to work it out. God knows what's going on in your life before it happens. And so it's very important that you recognize the prophetic word of the Old Testament and that you also recognize the fact that God can use mankind to give you a prophetic word. Now, when someone gives you a prophetic word, key to this is that God has already spoken to your heart first. Do not let prophetic words dictate your life until you have confirmed it in two to three sources. In other words, your own heart in the sources of another heart. And as you pray, you pray on words that's given to you. You pray on messages given to you. You don't accept them straight out. You pray. The scripture tells us to test the spirits. And we must, as Jonathan said earlier, we must recognize the fact that there is people that are presenting themselves as Christians and doing worldly things. And we have to be careful of who we listen to and what we respond to. But allow the Holy Spirit. This is why I keep saying, read the word, pray, and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit with the evidence speaking in tongues because that is the only thing. And you'll say, yeah, but I saw somebody speak in tongues, and they went out and did such and such, and so speaking in tongues doesn't make any difference. They have the power of the Holy Spirit to come into forgiveness for their sins. They have the power to pray that they can get rid of their sin. 
the Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin. It's so important that we quit looking at other people who have failed in their walk with God, but to seek the face of God for yourself and know that God wants to bless you with a prayer language that is powerful, that edifies your inner soul. We have to feel and know the inner soul blessing of the Holy Spirit. We must allow our prayer language to flow out of us and be in tune with God. His Word and His Holy Spirit is such a vital part. Going on to the next slide about the star. The star. In Numbers chapter 24, verse 7, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of the people of Sheth. Initially, initially, this was speaking of David's life, but ultimately, it is another messianic revelation of God, prophetic words about Jesus, victory over the enemy of his people, victory over the enemy. God has a victory for us. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it speaks about the fact that prophecy is not the will of man, but by, by men carried along by the Holy Spirit. How did this prophetic word come about? How did the prophets, how did it happen? It didn't happen because they, they were called prophets, and so therefore, out of their will, they had to prophesy. No, it was because men were carried along with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit carried them along. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. It's that concept of, of the Holy Spirit moving. That's why everything is so perfect in the Old Testament, because it wasn't the will of men making it happen. It was God moving on them and them walking in the very presence of God as they wrote the prophetic word. And it's so important that we recognize that prophecy and the prophetic word is God. Not man's doctrine, not man's idea, it is God. And so the prophets of old were used mightily. When you look at Corinthians and you see the gifts of the Spirit, you see prophecy is one of those gifts. And that's where people have the ability to share the gift of prophecy with others. And this morning, the little bit of uh, that Jonathan said was was in the line of prophetic in the sense that he was talking about the coming of Christ, but he was also admonishing us to get all we can get of the Holy Ghost, to get all we can get of God's Word, to get all we can get of praying one for another and being in communion with one another, encouraging one another to live for God. And, and that's the words of a prophet is, is that a rebuke, an encouragement, a direction, and to move on into the things of God. And, and he was, he, he, I don't know if he realized it or not, but as, as I was studying the, the concept of the prophet, that's what a prophet does. It, it, it we, speaks to the need of the heart, but brings encouragement and brings a way out of sin to help people see the, the, the coming power of God. In, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it speaks about the star. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? 
awesome because this same message, King of the Jews, is on his cross. And so we see that he saw the star and when it rose and had come to worship him. We saw the star when it rose and we came to worship. We saw his star when it rose and came to worship him. His star. Man who had studied the stars, astrologers, knew the plan. Knew what God was going to do. They saw this star. It was a special star. It wasn't normal. It spoke to their hearts. How did they know about the special star? They may have known the scriptures that comes out of Numbers chapter 24. Giving direction that there would be something coming. Very special. Very unique. And it's so important that we realize that God has everything under control and has had everything under control. And as we look at the redemptive principles of God, we realize that the Magi were Gentiles. We realize that Jesus is worthy of royal honor. Kings came and brought their gifts. Kings, not just the average Joe working in the vineyard, not just the average person out there cultivating. It were kings that God chose to move on to come find this, this child, this baby, this savior of the world, this Jesus, who's going to make a difference in everyone's life from that point on till today. Think of the billions of people that have been influenced by the life of one man, Jesus. It is phenomenal to realize all the scriptures in all these years, in all the different denominations, all the different people who, who honor Jesus throughout the years. It is a phenomenal thing. But we have royalty coming to find this child. Coming because a star leads them to it. Honor from all humanity. Jesus deserves honor from all humanity. These kings were used to people coming and worshiping them. They were used to people exalting them. But they were exalting Jesus. And we need to recognize that humanity, all humanity, needs to come to a relationship with Jesus. Gentiles, Gentiles as well as Jews. Jews as well as Gentiles. You see, in Christ is God's redemptive plan. In Christ is God's redemptive plan. He's never changed. He's always had the one basic thing of redemption. And that's what Christmas is all about, is that we're celebrating the Savior, Jesus, who came along and brought us the plan of redemption. By the power of God's Holy Spirit, he moved upon prophets. And I, today I read from the minor prophets. It doesn't mean that they were less in ministry. It means that their books were smaller. But the message is very, very clear there that Jesus was going to come and was going to come to be a redemptive principle, a redemptive thing that was going to take place in the life of Jesus. He was going to bring redemption to us. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. That is the redemptive principle 
of Jesus. That is the redemptive principle that Jesus, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. We stand to your feet and let's call upon him who richly blesses all who call upon him. All those who say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord, forgive me my sins. Lord, let me be what you want me to be. Redemption comes to that person who says, Lord, forgive me my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a desire to read the word. Help me to walk in obedience to what the word says. Help me to be the vessel you've called me to be. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the Old Testament prophecies of the birth of a Savior and how that they came true perfectly in order and how that Joseph and Mary in the middle of the night are awoken by a dream and Lord their, their life changes instantly they're changing they're moving to Egypt to protect this baby Jesus from a king who wants to destroy him Lord Jesus thank you for dying on Calvary's cross. For all of us, the redemptive plan you fulfilled for each one of us, that our lives can be redeemed from this world and look towards eternity, look towards heaven. Thank you, Father God. We are blessed to be yours. We are truly blessed to be yours. And Lord, may we, like Joseph and Mary, who picked up this child and walked out of the house in the middle of the night. Lord, may we embrace change in our lives because sometimes there's things that happen in our life that we had no recourse. We had no planning of it. We didn't do anything to cause it. Things just happen. So God, help us to accept change and help us, oh God, to have a mindset to always worship you even when things don't go the way we think they should go. May we always give you the praise. May we always give you the glory. May you always get the power, the, the honor from us. Lord, as royalties that gave honor to Jesus, may we as normal people, common folk in America, God, may we honor the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The altars are open. If you'd like to be prayed for, we'd love to pray with you. Beautiful music. Star of wonder, star so bright, I can sing this song as good as you. Praise God. God bless you, folks. Have a Merry Christmas. And may Jesus be powerful in your life. Thank you.